Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and I'll be your host for this segment. To start things off, I want to let you know of an upcoming event that we are really excited about, and that is our first ever virtual ice series event happening December 8th and 9th at 7 p.m. Central Time each night. This is a free virtual event where we will be joined by Shields Pro Staff Jason Mitchell and ICE Team member Matt Johnson on the 8th, and then on the 9th we will be joined again by Jason Mitchell and also fishing YouTuber Sam Sobe. There will be a ton of great information on ice fishing shared, along with a chance to win up to $5,000 in ice fishing gear from Clam. You won't want to miss this one. To register for this free event, head to shields.com forward slash ice series. We're coming to the end of November, and hopefully by this time you've filled a tag or two and have a little extra meat in the freezer. The next step is deciding what to do with that meat. There are plenty of meat lockers who can take care of it for you, but a lot of them today either don't have the capacity to take on additional work or have extended wait times for the finished product. You're often hit with a pretty hefty bill and have no guarantees that the meat you brought in is 100% yours. A great option nowadays is to just take care of it yourself. Food processing is becoming increasingly popular and is a great way to become more self-sufficient, guarantee you are putting your own meat on the table, and in the long run save money in the process. We have some great experts at each Shields location when it comes to food processing who can answer any questions you may have and set you up with the right equipment, seasonings, spices, casings, or anything else you may need to process your own game. Today we're joined by Shane McGovern of the Des Moines Shields store who has over 20 years of experience with us in the food processing department and even more experience before joining us. Here's our conversation on food processing with Shane. We have Shane McGovern with us today from the Des Moines store. You might have seen Shane on some of our social posts or our YouTube videos talking about food processing. He made some great duck sausage. If you haven't checked that out yet, make sure to go to our YouTube page. How are you doing today, Shane? Uh, wonderful. Beautiful morning in Iowa. Perfect. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, first thing, I've been working for Shields for 21 years, but... Uh, I've been hunting for a long time. Uh, I grew up in Iowa hunting, mostly small game until I got older, and the deer population wasn't what it, what it is today in Iowa 30 years ago. So I harvested my first deer when I was 16 and been hunting pretty religiously since. Uh, since then, joined the military, got out of the military, came to work for Shields, and uh, man, did a lot of growing, got married, had a couple kids, and now I'm enjoying the outdoors with uh, my family, wife, and kids. That's great. That Des Moines area is a perfect place for that. So how did you get started into food processing? Um, you know, it's kind of a farm to table type thing for me and a reference for the animal. I, I uh, Years ago, my first couple deer I had mostly processed by lockers and I'd make my own jerky with the dehydrator or with the oven, but not much more. And, uh, I got some deer sticks made by a locker one time and I had shot a deer with a bow and uh, I got the deer back or I got it processed and the locker owner said, well, there might be a little crossover between deer and the grinder. 
and I bit in a stick, and there was literally a, a copper jacketed chunk of lead in, in the stick, about as big around as the stick, and uh, that was really the last push. And I had a several hundred dollar locker bill that year, so I was like, I'm just going to buy a grinder and start buying a couple pieces a year and, and, and start getting into it. So, okay, yeah. So, uh, what what equipment do you need to get initially started? Yeah, you know, uh, the first deer I processed, I turned most of it into jerky, and all I really needed was a dehydrator and uh, some seasoning mix. You can buy a pre-made seasoning mix, or there's lots of recipes on the web out there today, uh, which weren't out there. There wasn't the web 30 years ago when I started hunting uh, white tail or harvest my first white tail. But uh, I simply just made jerky uh, in the dehydrator in the oven and uh, went from there. I started from there, and uh, then I... Then I progressed into getting a grinder and uh, a vacuum sealer and a smoker and a stuffer, and it becomes almost uh, it almost becomes something that takes over. I almost like the the meat processing side of it day better than I like the the pursuit and all that side of it. You know, because the hunt only lasts so long. We only get uh, you know a week depending on the season. Some seasons Iowa four or five days, um, but processing can last the next six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can really go full circle. You know, you you shoot your deer and then process it, and then you get to enjoy it. So that's very cool. I think processing your own deer, too, kind of has a reverence for it. You know, you know what happened to that deer from the time of standing there eating corn or beans or whatever. And I will usually corn or beans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was standing there till the time the deer uh, made it to the plate for your friends and family or whoever else you know that there was nothing that should cause any kind of issues or problems and it should be the best quality product that you can put on the table. Great. So for somebody getting into this food processing, what sort of time commitment can you expect? Well, uh, that all depends on what you want to do with it. It can be as short as uh, processing the deer from the time you harvest it to putting it to table grade food is, I mean, you can do that as short as, uh, as short as an hour and a half to uh, four hours. But really, if you're just wanting to make jerky, uh, harvest it, slice it, put it on the dehydrator, and, and really it doesn't take much time at all to get started. Perfect. So when you're doing your dehydrating, how do you know when it's uh, when it's completed? Okay. Well, that's a common question. A lot of people ask that when they come in the store. There's some things that come into play with that. Um, I highly suggest when I brought a things uh i got this jerky board i hope you can see that but it's just simply a jerky board and it's it's not too expensive and uh that gives you the ability to consistently cut the jerky the same thickness uh, my dehydrator takes eight hours about exactly eight hours to dehydrate jerky and so once you know how long it takes to get it to the consistency consistency that you want some people like it drier some people like it wetter once you know how long it takes to get to that, you can take any dehydrator in the market and plug it into just a simple Christmas tree timer like this. Mine's set for eight hours. If you can see on here, it's a little dirty from doing all kinds of jerky. But mine's set for eight hours. I literally plug my dehydrator into this, load it up. I have 12 trays on it, go to work, and I come home, and the whole house smells like jerky. Sometimes my wife likes that. Sometimes she doesn't. <laughs> my kids love the jerky, though. But... Um, 
the Christmas tree timer is a godsend for turkey. Then I get home, I put another batch on, I go to sleep, I get up in the morning, pull it off, and uh, I do that. I'll do a five gallon, five gallon bucket of jerky, and then I vacuum seal the jerky, and it keeps wonderfully in the freezer. And I mean for a long time. Yeah, that's a great that's a great pro tip there with the with the Christmas tree timer. Good good time saver there. <laughs> so when you when you're doing your jerky in the dehydrator, I, I assume you're doing press stuff and and uh, slice. Do you, can you do those at the same time, or do those have to have like different dehydration times? Yeah, for my dehydrator, they take a little different time. So um, I can do uh, I can do whole muscle meat cut at three sixteenths of an inch and I can do that in eight hours but the ground jerky usually takes a little less than that, six and a half but each dehydrator is different so what I always suggest to people is that first batch uh, monitor your dehydrator and monitor your time so keep on checking on it and get it just to where you want it or maybe stop just a hair before you get it exactly the the dryness you want it mm-hmm. and pull it will continue to dry a little bit and what i usually do is just leave a five gallon bucket with the lid off nice and clean i set the jerky in there and with a lid off of it and let it sit out overnight so any remaining moisture that's on it kind of comes off of it but it will dry a little more once you pull it off okay good to know so are there any other commonly asked questions you have in the like the jerky department of things um a lot of times people a lot of times people ask questions when it comes to like the whole muscle meat they ask, or with the whole muscle meat, they'll ask, how, how do you do that? I, I simply steer them towards a jerky kit, and I have uh, I steer them towards a jerky kit like this. Um, this one's by High Mountain. But, man, the directions in here are spot on if they just follow the directions. Whole muscle meat, shake it on there like you would maybe salt on something really bland. And then if you're making, it also has a ground recipe in here. So if you take this and use the ground recipe, some things to keep in mind when you do the grind, though, or when you grind the, the meat, I always add a little pork. Just straight venison will work and make great jerky, but a little bit of pork in there makes a little bit better jerky, like um, a pork butt, a Boston butt, mm-hmm. or something like that. It just adds a little more fat. Um, so that that's what I normally do. The ground jerky, like I said, works really good for those front shoulder cuts, um, some of that stuff. I usually do the whole muscle jerky out of the back quarters, those big roasts and things like that. Okay, perfect. So what sort of things do you like to make when you're not doing jerky? Like what's your favorite thing to do? Um, I enjoy summer sausage, probably the best. And summer sausage, again, we sell kits. They're home runs. You can take take a kit like High Mountain makes a kit. There's everything you need in this kit to make 30 pounds of jerky. And I assure you, if you follow the directions on that kit, it'll turn out perfect every time. And I I usually take the simplest approach I can to things like that. So that jerky mix happens to be the jerky mix, or the sausage mix happens to be the same sausage mix that I use every time. Um, and I love making that because the whole family gets involved. I have um, my oldest daughter, I don't know if you can see this, but this little picture of her actually grinding. Um, her name is Lorraine. So she's actually grinding meat. So, and then here's another picture of her grinding meat. And then uh, oh, here's, her little, here's her little sister with the finished product. I don't know if you guys can see that, but that one is Claire. And oh, so, that is awesome. 
And so what we do at Christmas time is my wife's family, especially, they really appreciate venison and, uh, and walleye, but uh, we, we take them all a box with uh, venison, summer sausage, jerky, sticks. And my daughters get to present those boxes to the rest of the family. So it's kind of a big deal. Uh, and nobody misses Christmas because they know they're going to get the box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome that you're getting the little ones involved and making it a whole family thing. Um, so when you're, when you're doing your sausage and, you know, things other than jerky, um, what sort of equipment do you need to get, you know, besides the dehydrator? And, um, you know, are there, are there places where you want to make sure that you don't want to skimp? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's kind of a big story for all of us. You know, we start off like when we were fishing with a Zebco 202 or an expensive reel and work our way up. Um, I always suggest when we have a customer in looking at grinders that they at least start at the all metal models. And I can't remember exactly what model that is for LEM, but I have them start there because I know that they're not going to have as many problems with it clogging up and things like that. The, the, the price point ones where they start, they were, they were, but the same as the kitchen made mixer one, my wife, uh, <laughs> I got one of those for Christmas, right? When we first got married and it, it, it literally smelled like I was you know, burn down the, the house with the kitchen mixer. I think I was being a little too aggressive with the grinder on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I always suggest um, I always suggest spending as much money as you feel comfortable because you will be happy with it. I have a three quarter horse grinder. I started with a KitchenAid mixer, then went to LEM's uh, uh, price point one, went to a smaller metal one, and then I ended up with uh, ended up with LEM's uh, three quarter horse grinder. And and I brought the head in for my grinder. This is the head of my grinder. One of the things that people always ask, okay, so now I have the grinder. Oh, how do I grind, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, well, you need to be able to cut the chunks big enough to fit in the end of the grinder, right? Gross. And then the other thing is keep your meat as cold as you possibly can. It can even have some ice crystals in it. Sometimes I'll cut my meat and then I'll take it and I'll throw it back in the freezer until it's almost frozen solid. And then I'll run it through the grinder. One of the keys to getting a great grind is making sure the head of the grinder stays cold or stays cool. It keeps the fats and the meat from emulsifying. So one of the things that I'll do is I'll spray this down with silicone spray. And I, maybe I don't have any of you. But Elian uh, sells a food-grade silicone spray, and it keeps it from clogging. I'll spray it down with that, and then I'll stick that whole head in the freezer until I'm ready to grind. And I'll pull that head out, and I'll stick it on the grinder. And uh, I'll start to grind, and I can grind 60 pounds of meat without having any problems with it starting to clog or trying to jam up or any of that stuff. Okay, great. Um, so when you have your, you know, you have your meat prepared through the grinder, whether you put it into casings or whatever, how do you how do you determine the right temperature or how long you want to smoke things? Huh, that's a good question. I've start, I've done all kinds of different ways over the years. You know, like I said, we kind of, most of us crawl, walk, then run when it comes to meat processing, deer hunting, fishing, etc. So I started off with uh, with just doing it in the oven and using just one of those simple meat probes that you put into it, inexpensive thermometers. And uh, I, But I had to keep on opening the oven every time. Then I progressed to a smoker, and I was still using just one of those, uh, those small analog thermometers you stick in there and most recently i got uh i got one of our uh, what is it called a fireboard 
it has multi-channels and instead of just if i'm doing 30 pounds of summer sausage instead of just being able to check the temperature in one of them i can check the temperature in three of them at the same time and so now i usually stop a hair before the recommended temperature because that meat will continue to rise and the mm -hmm. one thing you want to do with sticks or sausage is immediately when you get to that temperature cold water bath it. now uh our friend our friend cameron was talking about doing it in his bathtub and what his wife thought about it <laughs> with summer sausage we made but what that does is it sets the fat into the summer sausage uh it lets that fat start to come back to a solid state from a liquid state and it makes that nice marbling, and I, I guess you can kind of see it on this. Um, this is some summer sausage we made; it's still a little frozen, but it gets that nice marbling look that you want in summer sausage. Okay, so um, let's talk a little about uh, preparation and sanitation. How do you how do you make sure that your meat is sanitary to start, and then properly preserved when you're when you're completed with your task? Man, that's a great question, and I am. Uh, I am super careful because remember we're taking this home to feed our family. Uh, my two girls love the jerky, love the sticks, love the summer sausage. So the first thing I do is, it, first of all, try to make as ethical of a kill as I can. And I, I, I mean, I try, and very rarely have I ever shot a deer that's moving. Um, and and at that, I I try to make as ethical of a kill as I can, or an ethical harvest as I can, and I try to get on that deer as quick as I can without bumping it and uh, get it field dressed and get it cooled down as quick as I can. Now, some of the earlier seasons, I've had to pack the body cavity full of ice and things like that to cool it down. Um, sometimes we'll even bone it out, or not bone it out, but take the quarters off and stick it in a cooler with some ice uh, to cool that meat down quicker. Uh, especially some of the seasons like today in Iowa, it's supposed to be like 82. Now, only use season's going on right now, but man, if you have a kid out there and you harvest a deer today, you're going to want to get it. So mm -hmm. that's one of the big things. And, and then the other thing is before I do any meat prep, uh, the vast majority is done in our kitchen. Um, I clean the countertops all off very good. Um, I use wood cutting boards that prefer them. They tend to be naturally antibacterial. Wood is a, has naturally antibacterial characteristics. Um, clean the cutting boards and all that stuff up really good. And I do that before I touch anything. Even if I clean the grinder before I put it away, it gets cleaned again before I got Okay, great information. So, um, do you uh, do you have any hunting plans here so you can uh, get some meat for the freezer? Yeah, we. Uh, I hunt with uh, two gentlemen who are my senior by a little bit, and quite frankly, they've taught me a bunch about making sausage and sticks and all kinds of different meat stuff. They make some pretty crazy stuff. So, uh, my hunting my hunting friends, Bern and Jerry, uh, and we uh, do early muzzle season every year, and normally the weather's third week of October and uh, we usually do pretty fair down in southern Iowa we usually harvest a few deer so we get the opportunity to process yeah word on the street is Iowa's okay for deer hunting <laughs> yeah you know uh they've given me a whole new appreciation I used to be all about Jason's antlers and stuff but man every deer to them I mean they're getting up there in age is just a precious thing they don't know when they're going to get another one you know it could be next year they've lost friends in the last year so so really i'm just enjoying the hunt whether it's a doe whether it's a buck these days i just it, it, it's a pretty cool thing to have that opportunity and to live in a country where we can do this you know yeah absolutely let's hear your 
favorite deer story? Oh, geez. Um, hopefully this couldn't take too long. So I was a very energetic young man. And my father, Joe McCovern, uh, crew chief in the door gunners in Vietnam, only hunted small game. So, and he was busy. He was in the military his whole life, 32 years. And I would beg him to take me hunt, beg him to take me hunt. And the only reason he went here home was I wanted to go. And the first year, we shared a muzzle for And the deer population was nothing like it is today, 34 years ago, right, in Iowa. So we struggled the first year. And I don't even remember if we got one second. The third year, um, I finally saved up money doing chores and stuff like that. And I bought my own muzzleloader. And I shot a deer and I shot it quarter and away and I got liver and one lung. It was a good shot, but man, I've never tracked a deer before, uh, any of that stuff. My dad had never harvested a deer, just rabbits, squirrels, pheasants, that type of stuff. So we waited, up, I don't know, a half hour, 45 minutes. He asked me how I thought the shot was. So I thought it was pretty good. We started trailing this deer and we had to leave it on the night. The next morning, you know, I didn't sleep a wink. I think I was maybe 15. I didn't sleep a wink. And back in those days, you could only get a buck tag in, in the county of your hunt, maybe the whole state of Iowa. Oh, uh, my dad and I went back. I said, well, one of the guy, one of the articles I read or something said, go to the closest water source. So we walked to the river, and we're walking up and down the shore of the river, and I saw a hook sticking out on the shoreline <laughs> and um it really wasn't that far away it was like 175 yards but you could have missed it so easily there, all that was sticking out of the water was a hook and it was quite certain when we got the deer out of the water and stuff like that that expired very very quickly because that was another thing at night you know being 14 15, the last thing you want to do is be an animal suffering and you want to be i mean you want to have as much reverence for that animal as you can so all night long i worried about that suffering and I worried about that and we got the deer out it was just a little you know little something like this but man I'll tell you what out of all the and and, and I've had the, the the blessing to harvest literally hundreds of deer over my lifetime um that one was probably the special the most special dialogue because you know as dads sometimes we do things that we don't necessarily like to do and uh, um most of the dads don't tell our kids that we're proud of them as much as we should I'll tell you what, when we finally harvest that deer, because it took a long time and a lot of work to do that, work our way through it, uh, I can just tell in my dad's eyes that it was something pretty special. Mm-hmm. Great story. You know, the the easiest ones are never the most memorable. <laughs> Sometimes they are. I don't mind those nowadays either as I get a little older. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> what is your absolute favorite thing to make? Man, if you gave me one thing to make, it would probably be summer sausage because it seems like everybody likes summer sausage. I've had people say my jerky's too sweet, my jerky's too hot, but summer sausage, it seems like, I don't know, maybe it's just because all uh, our Midwest heritage, but everybody that I give a little summer sausage to seems to enjoy. Perfect. Um, do you have, are there any other commonly asked questions that you get when you're helping people in the food processing department? There are some things that I always 
I always just lean people towards with a grinder. One of them is a foot pedal. It's a pretty simple thing, and it's not it's, it's an accessory purchase. But, man, you can control the grind right with your foot. So, And if you're going to stuff with your grinder, which I did for a long time, I suggest buying a stuffer if you can afford it. Um, but if you're going to stuff with it, it's absolutely a must to have that foot pedal. That foot pedal, as soon as you let the pressure off onto the grinder, stops. So, and if you're grinding with kids, especially kids with little hands, my wife insisted on having a foot pedal. For some reason, she thinks they're going to get their little hands down in the grinder. So, a foot pedal is a good thing. That food grade silicone spray is a good thing. Um, soy protein. Uh, soy protein is used in all kinds of meat products. Um, it's a binder. We sell it at Shields. And soy protein works great for. Uh, Keeping the moisture in your meat products, especially brats, sticks, any kind of sausage, you know, German sausage, Italian sausage, summer sausage. I, I always suggest that a customer takes that soy protein. And on the back, the directions are simple. It tells you how much to add per pound of meat. And I'll tell you what, since I started using that, my sausage and stuff like that turned out a lot. Um, the other thing that uh, I, I just make people aware of with sticks, sometimes it helps to add just a little citric acid. It gives it that little snap or that little pop. Um, and uh, we saw that citric acid too. Uh, I always tell people just to experiment. I literally, before I make go and make 25 pounds or 30 pounds or 50 pounds, and we were talking about this before, but I'll make a patty with the grind. I'll grind the meat once, mix, take a little chunk of it, mix um, some seasoning with it. Take the cast iron skillet, put it on the stove, a little butter, a little oil, and throw that patty on there and cook it up. Now, the flavor's not going to be the exact same because sometimes it takes 24 hours for the flavor to set, but you're going to get a, a great idea of what that final product's going to turn out. Yeah, like, you, don't have the, you don't have the smoking process done and, and all the seasoning hasn't set, but it's a great way where, you know, you're getting started out and you just – you want to get a little taste test and make sure that you don't wreck a whole 25, 30 pound batch. So <laughs> great yep. advice on that one. If there's one tip I can give somebody, that's one of the best tips I've learned. I literally, when I was early in my processing days, I hunted with a bunch of guys shotgun season in Iowa, which was kind of crazy if you've ever been on shotgun season, but they literally would set up a Mr. Buddy heater, one of the cookers and flip it over and throw a cast iron skillet on it. And they would make patties with some of the seasonings and try it. Oh, that's awesome. Everything's better out of a cast iron skillet. It is. I, I'm here to tell you, they might not be as fun to clean as that one, but man, it's <laughs> uh, Just a little quick marinade for everybody. If you're looking for something, uh, a simple recipe for a marinade for backstrops, elk, deer, mule deer, whatever. Gold, pineapple juice, small can like that. Uh, dump it in a gallon Ziploc freezer bag couple of chunks of backstrap, um, a quarter cup of soy sauce, a tablespoon of lari seasoning salt or the seasoning salt of your choice. Um, I know that meat church is one of my favorites to use in there. So uh, meat church and then a, a tablespoon of meat church and a tablespoon of uh, uh, minced garlic and let it sit for six hours, eight hours, no longer than overnight. And slice that into butterflies, a little butter in the cast iron skillet and those backstraps. I'll tell you what, I got one friend that said he won't eat deer unless it's summer sausage, sticks, or jerky, and I made him. I literally almost had to grab him by the neck and force him to eat it. Um, I looked back while I was still cooking, and the whole plate was gone. <laughs> so, awesome. It's a 
every year for deer season, when we harvest our first deer, um, we pick the inside back strap. It makes me do that every year. So. Ooh, perfect. So, man, that's a lot of awesome information on food processing. So, um, you know, Shane, thank you so much for your time. If, uh, if you're around the Des Moines store, make sure to stop into the food processing department and talk to Shane. Um, if you've got any other questions, feel free to put them in the comments below or just reach out to us on social media at Shields Outdoors. Shane, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Mike. All Have right. a great this year, friend. Have a good one and good luck this season. You too. You just started our conversation with Shane McGovern of the Des Moines store on food processing. He offered quite a few tips and tricks that he's developed through the years of honing his craft and it has me excited to do a little food processing of my own this year. If you'd like additional information on food processing, our Shields Outdoors YouTube page is an excellent resource. We have a playlist created for food processing and you can find a link to those videos in the description of this podcast on your listening platform. Also, if you're listening to this segment within a few days of when it's been published, and are looking to save on any food processing items, we're launching our holiday sales event on Sunday, November 22nd, and it'll run through Cyber Monday, which is the 30th of November this year. During this event, you will find savings on vacuum sealers, jerky guns, dehydrators, grinders, stuffers, slicers, even thermometers to ensure you get that perfect temperature while smoking. It's also a great time to get that holiday shopping done as we have deals going on throughout the store. To find this information, just head to the homepage of Shields.com. If you enjoyed this segment, please hit that follow button on the listening platform you chose today. We launch a new segment every Friday. And with that, we'd like to thank you for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.